Hello and welcome to Sideload, the technology podcast from Edelman London. I'm Olivia Thomas and on today's show we're hitting rewind on the last 10 years of technology and looking ahead at what the next decade might have in store for us. Um, and what we'd really like to talk about today is just tech over the past 10 years and tech in wow. the next 10 years. I mean, we're Good in job. 2020 <gasps> now. I was expecting flying cars. I was expecting driverless really? cars. Wow. <laughs> Maybe back I was a little future. bit ambitious. Yeah. Not e- Well, not even back to the future hoverboards. We were promised oh. that. A jetpack. Like, jetpack. I'm really disappointed about the jetpack. Very disappointed. Although didn't um, someone manage to cross the channel? They did, the and then they, they did something in France and the Champs Elysees as well. But it was just once, and then no one knew where it went. And <laughs> I want one. Exactly. So I think there's a lot of tech that. Um, well, obviously we're in a really cool space right now. There's a lot of tech mm. that is very cool and holds a lot of promise for the next ten years. But I think we've also come a long way. And there's some tech that is maybe not quite where we thought it would be. Mm. Um, so that's what I would like your brains for today. Um, so let's start with the last 10 years, looking backwards. Oh, Lord. Um, what was, for you, the most disappointing tech or gadget of the past 10 years? I bought a lot of really terrible tech over the years. 10 years is a very long time. Yeah, If I you think about remember. 10 years ago... Well, I hadn't had kids. <laughs> I just got married. Facebook was like a new thing. Yeah. And so I've got a million terrible, horrible selfies of me uh, doing the V sign. For some reason, that was cool. The, the filters, <laughs> cool back then. The filters didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff that uh, yeah. I think uh, in the 10 years since, I've really worried about my privacy loads more. I hardly post anything on social media. I'm probably more of a lurker than anything else. Um... The way I met, met my husband was that I had to ask him out in a bar. These days, people always out to exist. And never I happened. seem to hear about new ones that I don't know about. It's it. Uh, what's the one hinge, which is the one that everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it's like it's like a it's like a mysterious world out there of new apps. Mm-hmm. When I think about the apps that I first had on my phone in two thousand, it was probably probably about five, and that was that was amazing to have like five apps, which was probably your email. <laughs> And, and uh, Skype, got, maybe, yeah. if you were lucky. I don't know what else I had back then. Um, and you SMSed everyone. Yeah. And that was it. Too you much choice today, do you think? Oh, well, if you look at my, if you look at your phone, just on the apps alone. Every single part of your life is managed by that. <laughs> Nutrition, sports, banking, health, Love. Love. Mm-hmm. Family. Family. Screen times. Oh, gosh. It's, wow. it's crazy. So yeah. I... So I, I take a twenty-year view on the past ten years. And I, think, I, I think it depends how it depends how disappointed you want to be. Right? I was in a conversation earlier on with some uh, new partners that we have in Switzerland, actually, um, and they work with an organisation called the ITU, uh, the International Tele- Telecommunications Union, and it's kind of an, it's it's an association that it's um, that's been going for many years. And one of the things that sticks in my mind was actually in 1999, one of their events, Telecom 99, um, Bill Gates pretty much bought the idea of the smartphone to the market. So he actually 
envisage the first smartphone. Um, yeah. And then I was I was fortunate enough to work on Microsoft's smartphone strategy very early on. Ooh. And um, look, we were banging on it for a while and everyone was like, no way am I going to be doing internet over the phone? Why do I need to bother? This was 2002, right? Wow. 2003. It seems like the most pointless thing. I remember selling a, a story into a journalist who's uh, you know, quite a big influencer in the tech space around that time. And they were big fans of what was the iPod then. And they said, why would I want to do music on my phone when I got an iPod and I got my phone? Don't need it whatsoever, right? 2003, yeah, right? At a point. At a point, right? So having, having gone through that piece, we've got to remember the iPhone launched 2007, 2008. So I think in 10 years ago, really, it started becoming the iPhone the idea of the smartphone really became mainstream in 2010. Mm -hmm. I think that it lived up to expectations in many respects. Oh, right? yeah. We had um, yeah. actually the, the period of change that we've seen since those uh, uh, the iPhone launch was mm -hmm. is quite considerable. You talk about online banking, you talk about all the other things that you do now. I think that's kind of rep representative of how far it had gone. Mm -hmm. But you also consider we had this big thing called the um, Great Recession that happened around that same mm -hmm. time as well. So actually what you saw was a lot of perhaps money disappearing from the tech market around that time. Not a huge amount, there were still firms being built, right? But perhaps there was that kind of dip. And so what we then started to see in the past five, six years, a lot of those com companies now are starting to emerge. So, you know, the, the disruptors, as we call them, that have been changing the way, um, they've really started to take shape over the past 10 years. And we've seen, if I think about the B2B enterprise market, mm -hmm. what was... 15 years ago to what is now, was five years ago even, it's rapidly different, right? You've seen yeah. some of our tier one clients who have actually been established players who've actually you know, changed their perspective on the world. This mm -hmm. thing called cloud, no one cared <laughs> for in 2005. Um, 2010, it started becoming more of this reality. Now, if you're not doing cloud, what are you doing kind of thing? You know, there's all these conversations that's doing with clients in mm -hmm. 2010. Oh, we might do a bit of cloud, we'll see, but we're still kind of, you know, we're definitely on premise or you know on your desktop or whatever it was, and it kind of that conversation is gone now. So I think I can't believe I'm being upbeat here, guys. You are. Um, there's nothing to the point. So yeah, there was no tech, no tech disappointing no, the, you in the, the past the, twenty years, we, not just the, ten but years. To your point on disappointment, I think the disappointment is for me in how we've set expectations around tech, right? Yeah. It's like mm. what we this these flying cars, you know, um, these hoverboards, mm. they all existed, right? Um, this AI stuff was envisaged 60 years ago. It's mm -hmm. not like a new thing, right? So it's like our expectations of what it will deliver, I think, rapidly increased after we had that smartphone. We were like, shit, <laughs> this is revolutionary. But actually, Bill Gates, 13 years ago, 13 years prior to that, talked about the, the idea of a smartphone, right? So I think that the disappointment is more about our expectation increasing rather than tech being more disappointing. But, yeah, it, it does, but I think the expectations it was also based on the application of the yeah. technology. So you've got like all these technologies like hoverboards, flying cars, but how do they work at scale? How do you apply them to different sectors? Mm -hmm. So I will pick my my disappointment because I've, I've actually researched this ten minutes before. <laughs> <laughs> um, Good research. The, the connected home. Like everyone was like saying a few years ago that you would walk into your, your house and you'd be like, you know, the heating is on and oh, your, yes. your, your floor start heating up, starts cooling yeah. down and everything's connected. But actually none of that has happened. What you had is like maybe four or five isolated things that 
don't connect together. So you have your Alexa, you have your maybe smart microwave, smart fridge, but they don't really talk to each other. Mm. So the, the kind of, it's more, it's less about the tech being disappointing in itself, it's more the application, the grid sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still, and, and the flats not living up to the standard of what the technology needs to operate. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the hype versus the expectations is also, it can't be thought in, in isolation of the application of the technology rather than the technology itself. And because that's still not a reality, you, you will have Alexa, you won't have a smart home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Very good point. Do you think that's an issue with um, sort of ecosystems? Because obviously, yeah. like you say, there's your Alexa, there's your Google Home, like there's so many different brands, and a lot of them want you to buy into the one ecosystem, whereas a lot yeah. of people don't want that commitment. So I think maybe moving forward, in the future and I think some companies like Amazon and Google for example are starting to do that now where they're sort of connecting with each other and Mm. opening up their ecosystems to each other and I'm hoping we'll start seeing that a lot more. I think if if there was something that started personifying the trends around that time, I'm going back in my brain a little bit, there's this idea of consumerization of technology Mm. um, coined by Gartner or one of the analysts back I mean, it's, I think it's got to be in the past 10 years, right? At some point, like it wasn't halfway through, it was definitely earlier on, mm-hmm. maybe even crossing it. And the, 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 the idea that um, the advantages of consumer technology had not, or were starting to make their way into the enterprise arena, right? Like, mm. why can't tech be tech uh, in the business, in the office be like the tech that I have at home? When I press the button, it works, blah, blah, blah. And so this kind of like, drove this kind of interface, this interaction, um, which is interesting, right? But what you, I think, to your point you're raising now, it's flipped the other way. Because actually, enterprise tech knew about this stuff a while ago, this interoperability stuff. It was it was super important like yeah. um, for, for those firms. Um, and now we're kind of flipping backwards, actually, you know, where consumer technology or the idea of consumer technologies overtook the enterprise. Mm. I think now they've stumbled on the problem, which was there in the enterprise, which is, yeah, but what about getting these systems to talk to each other? So it's kind of interesting to watch it go kind of that flip if that makes sense, that full mm-hmm. circle piece. Because, yeah, we want this seamless life. The words, I don't know how many times I've used the word seamless. Friction-free. life is um, Frictionless. Frictionless. Yeah, but, but it's born of the fact that sometimes in order to innovate, you need to kind of be quite focused and even intent, um, with intent, build an ecosystem around your product and whatever yeah. it is, right? Because otherwise, if it doesn't work, how do you showcase... Um, the, the the utopia the tremendous potential well, yeah, exactly, yeah. technology but yeah. also like I feel and I might be wrong on this I don't know the d- details but I feel like it kind of is a, a barrier to imagination a little bit because you've got these companies innovating on one side without connecting with the other mm-hmm. side so who knows what your fridge could do with the data that is somewhere else and so the the utopia is only um, as real as what the business's lines are going through. So if you had entire collaboration with every single piece of tech, then you would be able to be very imaginative of what you could do. But for now, it's kind of still about capitalism, isn't it? It's about like earning market share rather than like painting the picture of a frictionless life. Grow at any cost. Grow at any cost. Yeah, the classic line that you hear. Break things. <laughs> Move fast. <laughs> Move fast and break things. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break to tune into the last episode of Sideload, where we were discussing the findings from Edelman's CIO Focus Report.
clear when we, when we really dig into that data is that it's, it's a harmony between experience and maybe curiosity. I think there's that that notion of this is a role where a growth mindset, sorry I'm using buzzwords myself, but a growth mindset is just crucial. I mean, I, th- I think if you are a stuck in your way, fixed mindset type CIO, you're really gonna struggle and find this job extremely stressful um, because you know, the world is not slowing down, it's only gonna get faster. And if we think about how the CIO's role has changed over the last five years, last 10 years, it'd be hard for us to even fathom how much more it's gonna change. Um, and I think from that perspective, having the right mindset as a CIO is probably as important as the experience we have. So obviously, I mean, I feel like we've touched on a lot of the biggest pieces of technology that are out there now. I mean, we've mentioned driverless cars, we've mentioned voice assistants. Which ones, I mean, this is a tough question, which ones do you think hold the most potential to have the biggest impact on society? I mean, the, one, the ones get, that get media attention are the one that's ones that are feeling very futuristic. Mm. And I think that's the, the danger zone that we're in, is that we're, we're, we're thinking in that uh, back to the future type <laughs> zone, right? when actually the changes that we might see coming, and we were having this conversation with Justin the other day, having come back from CES, mm. actually might feel more incremental than they are these big, mm-hmm. significant shifts. Um, the real, we've been talking about quantum computing for a while, we've been talking about 5G for a while, but the reality is those 5G networks, which actually could enable quite a lot of quite amazing technology, given you know, giving us high broadband speeds and uh, internet access at the edge of the networks, those aren't actually going to be in place for about mm-hmm. four or five yeah. years. And so then that, that takes us then to the end of the, the decade. I think mm-hmm. you'll, we'll continue to see people who are pushing the boundaries, people like Elon Musk and you know, go, thinking about going to space, but even those those kinds of space exploration technologies, they said that we, we would have the first man, uh, man flight into space, commercial flight, mm-hmm. by now. And that's not happened, and that's despite Elon Musk, uh, uh, Amazon, Blue Origin, and others putting you know mil- millions and millions of dollars into those things. They're they're kind of, they are the moon, they are literally the moonshots. Mm-hmm. So you'll see that yeah. kind of like big gap between those big moonshot projects and then like the reality, which is um, as Justin mentioned, to- tooth- new toothbrushes at CES, <laughs> which can use sensors to check your plaque. You know, it's yeah. it's a it's that's a small much more shift. Than yeah. going to the moon, yeah. though, like that's, that's, I think <laughs> that's the, <laughs> we all want to go to the moon. But that's what I mean about the your point about the big the big projects like that. Like, if you think about what tech, what impact tech has on society, who's going to be able to afford a flying car and who's going to be able to afford going to the moon? Mm-hmm. These are the tech that are like media headline stuff. But the tech that is transforming the world is more like what we saw at Web Summit, which was, mm-hmm. for instance, your mobile phone used as a scanner to see if you've got pneumonia that can then be wheeled out into mm-hmm. African countries mm-hmm. where there isn't like access to a hospital and so the kind of hardware that they need to track disease ahead of time. That can change entire parts of society without them having to pay for it necessarily, mm-hmm. rather than like a big spatial ship 
or whatever, like that's getting all <laughs> front page of the New York Times. But really, mm-hmm. the impact of society is is research rather than like life be like well being. You know, I think it's a good question though because you need dreamers in the world. The you dreamers, do. the dreamers push us to make everything better and to think bigger, right? So I think, yeah, more I think dreamers. That, yeah, I imagine. I mean, it's funny. There's this. Um, show we used to watch many years ago called Tomorrow's World. I think they did a little uh, on BBC. I think it was it died in the mid mid or early nineties. And it made a comeback. It made it, it, made it, it come back and yeah. went back and forth. And you think about kind of where that was. And there, this there's this one I watched a little while ago about um, what was all just rewatched recently about uh, the smart home and a lot of the things that were you know thinking about then were quite important. Actually, one one that got me was like these smart windows, which well, I really want these smart windows that kind of. And they turn shades on when you press a button and stuff. And I was like, that would be so cool. I was that like, why did, why did no one... And they were looking at, at they were basing that on actual, you know, uh, technologies around that time. Some of the, the, the uh, glass technologies, I'm going to call it, for want of a better word, that were kind of up and coming. So it wasn't like these things were far away when they were imagining, um, you know, what was coming next. But back then it was like, wow, the most amazing thing. And I think what, what's happened since then is perhaps our element of surprise has gone down. Again, the expectation thing is yeah. actually, mm. you know, the smartphone. To your to your point, perhaps one way to look at it the next the next uh, over the next decade, the smartphone will continue to be one of the the tool for massive massive innovation. It's like, but once you imagine that, you know, what can it be? Um, yeah, you know, for me, it's this whole kind of. Uh, I think it will be in the area of uh, cleaner, smart technologies, or something that's going to help address the big What's challenge good? of yeah, our time. Water, for instance, exactly, you know, yeah, that's one yeah. of the many unresolved issues of the planet, yeah. and that's that's going to be more interesting, I think, in terms of impact on society. Yeah, those kind of things. Than any yeah. gadgets that you would ever think of. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be actually we we got to a certain point, and our lives could be more efficient. Granted. We could have more things, I guess. We could get somewhere a bit faster, fine. But then, what are the what are the bring bring cha- the rest of the people yeah, at our well, level yeah. first, well, yeah. and, then. and then yeah. What what are the other challenges we've taken? And yeah, I mean, I think climate is going to definitely have an impact on how we uh, on the technologies that we'll have, and I think even mm. accelerate some of those things around uh, what makes a smart home, right? Because if you've got yeah. a smart home, you know these things will be addressed. Solar energy and yeah. Yeah, and then the health tech stuff that you know that, that we've been looking at quite. Mm. I mean, I'm amazed by the amount of things that are coming out there. The health tech stuff is fascinating. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I was a naysayer. I was saying, I remember saying to Chow, I don't think we should be putting any bets on health tech now. I can't see this happening. It's been going no. for many years. Even the food tech, I was like, never mind the food tech thing. And then he took me along to um, the... Uh, the next web. The next web. And I was like, holy Converted. shit, this is quite, quite significant. Yeah. But they were all sustainability. I mean, the food stuff was definitely around sustainability. Um, and the health stuff was definitely around how do you... Uh, keep an already uh, on one side uh, aging population healthy and the, and the other side how do you prevent many, many of the bigger challenges that are faced well yeah it's two sides it's like yeah. the the big the big issues like almost democratization of healthcare in a way yeah. and then the other side is like the other the, what we've been looking mm. at jerry the the e-health kind of how you're in control of your own health i read an article the other day that said that you may not have any hospitals in the future because people can treat themselves, people can just mm-hmm. take their own blood tests, people can just find their own levels of like cholesterol, mm-hmm. they can do their own radio mm-hmm. x-rays, they I can I suppose we're already sort of seeing that with these apps now, like yeah. Babylon Health Babylon, and stuff yeah, like yeah, that, exactly. yeah, yeah, not having to go into a GP Ooh. surgery. Don't get huge... me started on Babylon Health. Uh-oh, I feel like Sap has a strong opinion. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry, now, now you no, said no. that, you have to tell us. No, 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 no. <laughs> or is no, this no. going to go on for two no, hours no, no. if we speak on that kind of But coming back to that hype piece and that expectation piece, that's, that's where I think you've got to be mindful of 
set, setting the idea of this future when we don't need doctors or nurses or hospitals against the reality right now, which is we don't have enough doctors or nurses mm -hmm. or hospitals, True. Right? True. which is kind of yeah. the, the juxtaposition on it. And it's actually what are the interests that will drive the innovations that will come in this space? Yeah. You know, if the, if, the, if the interests drive it too far away, then where will the investment go? That's what worries me. Because then, you know, there's some, if you, if you look at this shiny stuff where um, you can, you can um, heal yourself, if all the money goes there, what about all the people who, to your point, can't necessarily heal themselves? So I, I kind of, I do worry about that in, in the form of Babylon Health a little bit. I um, worry about that as well because I'm really hypochondriac and like there's no way I would ever trust yeah. like an app to just like, I was, I actually used an app the other day to like check symptoms that I had and it told me to go to the ER immediately and I was like, wow. just, I can't, it's giving me oh, anxiety. Man, so, <laughs> so that, that, like I just, I think the, the trust element to the yeah. back element gold standard is that coming into a world where you start trusting yourself to give yourself the kind of manage your longevity rather than like a professionals that for hundreds and hundreds of years have been trusted with the power of prescribing you medicine and giving you information on the diseases mm. you might have that's a bigger cultural shift than anything else yeah. I think there's two things going on in healthcare though and I think that's, this is where some things require more debate which is I think some of these healthcare innovations for the consumer are useful because it encourages people to be more proactive about their health. And yeah. There are a lot of lifestyle diseases out there which through better management of your you know, fitness, health, eating habits, better behaviours, you could improve your life. And then there's the other slide, which is the medical professionals and giving them better tools, better data to do the job that they need to do. And so... I don't think it's either or. It's not like yeah, this tech is going to replace medical back, yeah. professionals. We need those people, but they need to do the jobs. They don't need to be there looking at spreadsheets. They need to be there caring for people yeah. on wards and, you know, that's what they're I will give you one, though. <laughs> uh, which, which is the that you of, hate? Or that no, you which, are, is, which, uh, is actually, which is actually talking about addiction. <laughs> so um, which oh. is interesting in, in the context of kind of like uh, too little or too much information being yeah. a dangerous thing, right? So a chap called uh, Nicholas Negroponte, who I urge you to look up, he was an MIT uh, professor, I want to say, but certainly uh, one of the early uh, guys behind uh, Wired magazine as well. Mm. And um, so he's got, you know, he's given, very, given various TED talks and, you know, going back to the late 70s where he gave one of the very early, I think it was one of his first talks where he talk about, talks about these things such as touch screens and stuff like that, which were like, everyone was like, whoa. Anyway, so he's made various <laughs> predictions over time. I think this is the last, the last TED I saw, it might be one since then, it was a couple of years ago. But I think he firmly said, at least within the next, by the end of this decade, or perhaps a little bit, but straying into that, he said, you'll have... Uh, the, the innovation will come where you'll swallow a pill and learn a new subject, <laughs> right? Scary. So you'll ingest this ability to expand your mind and learn some stuff, right? So that would be quite helpful if you want to become a doctor and start healing oh, yourself. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Hold on, isn't this what psychedelics are in Silicon Valley? Yeah. Learning a new skill. It might partially be that. No, no, but, it, but this, is, this is the stuff of the Matrix to a certain degree as well, which was another film that predicted stuff 20 years ago, right? Where, where you download yeah. information into your brain and it kind of it, 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 it sits. But I don't think he's, he, when he makes his predictions, they're not based, again, on just pie-in-the-sky stuff. Mm. He's looking at what's happening in the era of... Um, bi uh, biochemistry and a bunch yeah. of other things are going right cool actually for the research that's out there this seems like a, a reasonable prediction to make 
Um, so, you know, that could be something that perhaps is a big prediction um, with this space of uh, my, my, I don't really know, for want of a better word, brain technologies. So, yeah, ah. self-teaching brain technologies. That so, could be... Yeah, no, so, so that was that was also one on my list. So thinking about neural, neural brain, neural yeah. interfaces, because we were, there were a bunch of companies that were interested in. So Facebook bought Control Labs, which is a startup in this space. Mm-hmm. So imagine not just having to think something to a, a device rather than having to touch anything or say anything. That was the, did you see now. the talk at the, I think it was Control Labs who gave the presentation at Web Summit. I missed that one. Where he I had a, an art, he was just basically, he had a, a mechanical arm and he would basically show us the activity on his brain that would direct his arm to move. So mm-hmm. even beyond kind of like learning yeah. a new subject, just like people with like disabilities, just the, the power of that reducing your, your kind of... Uh, increasing your capacities mm. to move when you can't like physically yeah. biologically you can through the brain that's yeah. that's mad. That's, that's massive this is the was it the um so dr chris brower our resident um innovation yes. guru i remember a couple of years when we started coming he used to paint this picture or this drawing of you know the 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 moore's law so that you know the 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 speed of change brought on by cpus right and that was doubles whatever it is a period of time and then he said then it juxtaposed that with a, the, hu- the human law kind of thing where we don't evolve that quickly so actually over time uh you know computers become exponentially smart and that's when we stay dumb well um, <laughs> do you know what I mean and then and then something sit, sits in between that to kind of then re- to, to resolve it or reconcile it but these things that's what i think these, these um uh brain technologies could be the way forward in that space and I was speaking, and I don't know where they are on this one, so I was speaking to this um, fascinating firm the other day that we started working with called Effective Giving, who won't have a, the same name hopefully on the other side of it because they, they come to us for a rebranding project. But they they are really thinking about and looking at the things that will shape the future, not the future in mm-hmm. five years, 10 years, mm-hmm. 15, 20 years, but in multi-generational uh, uh, times, right? So. Beyond our imagination, beyond a lot of imagination, um, and I, I don't—I didn't actually explore that fully with her. But the thing that was in the back of the mind was this idea of super, super intelligence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being able to kind of uh, imagine a, a time when humans become this higher or super intelligence—it's going to require this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, if the, if the, if Without the, the negative consequences, which are probably what they're going through at the moment in terms of testing. Yeah, and perhaps with you know, and perhaps the fears around AI being part of that as yeah. well. But um, if if that's if there's if there's something to explore there, there is the other ninety percent of our brains that we're not uh, limitless kind of thing. Not necessarily <laughs> using it there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, these could these things could set. I mean, if they're going to happen in the next, if you're going to swallow a pill, it's going to you know learn a new subject. Um, uh, you know some of the other things you talked about so it's feasible controversially would you even need to learn a new subject given like in 10 years time we'll have glasses and earphones to understand everyone else's languages without having to learn it yeah, like, so you, it's all the very big virtuous or not yeah. so virtuous and then it's gonna, and then, but then it depends which ecosystem you're in right? yeah, so exactly. I, I know everything you, you I, know what I can't, can't you. understand you <laughs> Yeah, that'll be the next thing we stumble against. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but the thing we haven't talked about is that those ecosystems are now becoming regional as well. So you've got yes. like this European internet that's emerging, and then the EU, EC, trying to regulate that slightly different to the, the Chinese internet, and then the American isolationist policy, meaning that's going to be a separate internet. So yeah. 
I think yeah. that's another thing. That sort of geopolitical piece that's huge environment is going to we're going to see a lot of changes in a very short period of time. Yeah, and then perhaps even start to to in rightly or wrongly, depending on what you say, next you say next ten years is incremental. Perhaps there is a little bit of actually let's take the let's put the um, the brakes on a little bit anyway, because actually you know how do you regulate for one uh, jurisdiction against another against the you know, bunch of other variables and how do you finance it privatization of healthcare versus public state owning it yeah. makes a big difference right. in terms of the pace of innovation absolutely you're rolling out 5g networks it's yeah. not there's not enough funding there for each one so perhaps through this period of uh, correction let's say maybe it's uh, call it regulation era whatever it is we start to kind of then lay the foundations for what's going to be the next big shift in technology and perhaps that's not a terrible thing um one of the things that struck me, I think, when we were speaking to Justin, was like, I do feel that, um, yeah, the past 10 years of disruption, some of the companies that have emerged from it, and also kind of, kind of some of the companies that are kind of being acquired through it as well, you know, you're starting to see uh, that consolidation lead to a point where there will be these remaining few tech companies, which is no different actually coming out of um, the, the dot-com era, funny enough as well, you know. Um, Techopolis. Techopolis, <laughs> to, to a certain degree, but then it's almost like... Techopolis as well, <laughs> like they, they will all own the same data, yeah. which is where... Which is where it is. To be. But they have to then operate in this global environment, they have to hopefully adhere to some sort of regulations there, or something needs to happen at an international level to ensure that they uh, don't overstep or don't understep for that matter as well, right? Um, so it could be an interesting period of kind of, I think, uh, realism, that we need to experience over the next 10 years. Mm. Maybe. Maybe hold it back a little bit. I'm just being that guy who just started online banking. He's caught up. He's still got a It was so profound. I actually started it on the 1st of January 2020 <laughs> when I did my first online banking transaction in Revolutionary. Um, and maybe I'll have an app at some point. But I'm just too skeptical about some of this stuff. Well, I'm just excited for a pill that can make me smarter. I feel like <laughs> I need that now. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, I think that's just about all we have time for. Um, but I just want to ask one final quick lightning round question. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. Which is, uh, and this is like confession time. What is the one smartphone app that you can't live without right now? Jerry, go. Gnome. Explain. <laughs> it's uh, it's a app that helps you get into better eating habits and lifestyle habits. Very nice. Sounds very, very healthy. Cool. And it helped me lose ten kg last year, so I'm hoping to try and do the same. Amazing. I may have to try that out. <laughs> Camille, it was a lot of them at the very this very specific moment. Though it's Quitter. Um, it's an app to quit smoking. Now I've got a range of helps from various <laughs> providers to help me go through this. But this is a cool app because it kind of gamifies it a little bit. So it calculates, you enter how many cigarettes you smoke usually and how much it costs. And then every day it gives you um, the amount of money you saved. It unlocks stuff like the air in your lungs is now better or your skin is starting to be less gray. Things like that, that kind of like every time, every day you look at it, you're like, oh, okay, that's, you know, that's quite nice. I didn't know that was also a perk of quitting smoking. <laughs> so yeah, Great I'm enjoying perks. that. Amazing. God, I am such a Luddite. Laggard, but all those words that go Yours backwards. is just your online banking app now. Literally. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I haven't even got there yet. No, 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 no. Mine is actually my Kindle app. I can't. Oh. I just oh. can't. It's, get, it's the only time I get to read is when I've got my phone in front of me and there's moments in between there. And so 
that's my killer app. I can't, actually couldn't live without a book I'm reading right now as well. It's just you can't let go of it, and that's why I can't live without this app. Um, so yeah, sorry, dry and boring. It's no, the lap. no, we need it's we reading. need more. What we doing our lives? Good diversity. I think those are all great, great choices. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Good to be here. Thanks for tuning into Sideload. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you'd like to get in touch, drop us an email at sideload at edelman.com. See you next time.